Welcome to Export Stories, a podcast featuring first-person insights from the wide and sometimes crazy world of U.S. exporting. Your host for Export Stories is Betsy Olam, president of Olam International, a U.S.-based export management company. Betsy has made a 37-year career of developing global sales and distribution for U.S. companies. Like you, she loves great stories. You don't have to be an exporter to enjoy the stories we're going to share with you each month. We're so glad you've joined us. Now, here is Betsy to introduce today's podcast. Hello, bonjour, hola, konnichiwa, nihao, marhaben, namaste, and shalom. Welcome to Export Stories 2021. I'm your host, Betsy Olam. Um, Over the years, I have found that one of the most rewarding and interesting activities in my business, which is developing export sales and distribution, has been my participating in industry trade shows. They're such a great resource for networking, for learning about innovations in an industry, and frankly, gathering competitive information. So I thought it'd be interesting today to explore what is happening in the trade show industry. Now, we know that it's had to adjust to current changing conditions like other businesses, but what does that mean exactly? To help us understand the state of the trade show world, We are fortunate to speak with Christine Kratz, International Sales Executive for the International Sales Group of RX Global, formerly known as Reed Exhibitions. But first, I want to thank RX Global for sponsoring today's podcast. We're going to talk about their international trade show business and their stories, but I want you to understand what I have learned. They are in the business of building businesses for individuals, communities, and organizations. What they do is elevate the power of face-to-face events by combining data and digital products. This helps their customers learn about markets, source products, and complete transactions at over 400 events in 22 countries across 43 industry sectors. RX Global, as members of the U.S.-based International Sales Group, partners with U.S. and Canadian companies to help them grow and expand their global export business through participation in their, you know, respective industry international trade shows. RX is part of RELX, a global provider of information-based analytics and decision tools for professional and business customers. I want to thank them so much for their support of Export Stories podcast. Without further ado, let me introduce Christine Kretz. Hello, Christine, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. And um, Christine, let's start out by telling us just a little bit about your story, where you're from originally, and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually a Philadelphia native, uh, born and raised just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, I went to college at the University of New Hampshire, uh, so really became kind of a New Englander at heart, loved it, came here and have not left uh, New England. Um, Throughout my college career, I had a, a variety of different Um, jobs within the event world, Uh, you know, starting off, I I actually interned in the White House with uh, First Lady Michelle Obama, and that's where the spark for events really started for me, uh, working on her Let's Move campaign and helping with scheduling in advance for her team. 
Um, and from there, obviously, you know, I, I did what every college student does is I, I graduated and moved to California for an unpaid internship on a whim. Oh, sure. <laughs> Everybody does it. Well, I have to ask you a question. So are you mentioned in Michelle Obama's book? I am not. <laughs> just I did that. read it front to back just to make sure. Uh, <laughs> but there are some pictures here and there I found in press that uh, you know I'm in the background of with Secret Service. So. Oh, that's so that is so cool. Really cool. Yeah, it was a really really great experience, and you know, like I said, it kind of kickstarted my my love for events. Um, and from there in California, did some nonprofit fundraising, uh, worked at a winery doing their special events before moving back to Boston and really diving into the event world as an event and wedding planner for about seven years. Um, when I relocated to Connecticut as uh, when I really got to the trade show industry uh, when I joined RX Global. Um, of course, I joined about two weeks pre-pandemic. So I had a whole two weeks in the office before going home for still continuing uh, over a year and a half at this point. Yeah. Um, so I got a really different uh, introduction to the trade show industry than a lot of people do. Um, you know, I got some initial training in the office, but from then on out, it was rollover conversations and refund conversations and a little bit different than I think uh, the others on my team had experienced in their, you know, start to the trade. Oh, industry. absolutely. Were Have you been able to participate in any in-person shows yet? I actually just got back from my first one last week. Um, yeah. I flew out to Las Vegas for JCK, which is our uh, jewelry show that takes place there annually. Um, mm -hmm. It was bizarre, but it was great to actually get to a show in person. Like, like you said, it was my first one. Um, so, you know, getting to meet show teams and, and talk to clients on site and see a buildup of a show and see it actually take place. Uh, it was a little bit surreal after a year and a half of, of hearing so much about it from everyone else. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm so glad you finally got to experience it because I find them to be just exciting to be at a trade show in a, in a business that I'm involved in. Um, so, well, tell us um, a little bit about the company. Uh, you recently undertook a new branding for Reed Exhibitions to, or from Reed Exhibitions to RS Global. What was the idea behind the branding? Yeah, absolutely. So it was a transition, I think, um, that COVID sparked, but I think it had been something that people were already kind of working on behind the scenes a little bit. But the way that COVID made us really rethink the business, um, you know, formally read exhibitions, obviously in the title, you know exactly what we're doing. We're an exhibition company. Uh, we plan at this point uh, a little over 400 international trade shows around the world each year. Um, but what we wanted to do and what we realized even more so during COVID is that it's not just about the in-person trade shows or exhibitions. It's more of a 365 access to our clients, helping them build our business, their businesses. Um, you know, our new, our new logo slogan, I should say, is we're in the business of building businesses. So it's a little, it goes steps beyond just the trade show. It's how can we grow what you do? Uh, well, how can we grow your export uh, business overall? outside of just going to this trade show for a couple of days a year, how else can we get you to interact with your clients on more of a 365 basis? And our marketing teams um, and development teams have been working very, very hard at creating new opportunities, um, both in person and digitally, as we all have come to yeah. learn and love <laughs> over the past year and a half to really help kind of magnify that statement. Do you see um, 
y'all uh, facilitating like one-on-one -on -one meetings, uh, especially on the international side? I mean, uh, kind of how does that work? If I'm, if I'm looking, if I'm an American company and I want to be sure that some of the international visitors, you know, meet up with me, how do you uh, handle that? Yeah, so, you know, we look at it a, a couple of different ways. Um, you know, of course, the number one goal is to be there in person at some sort of trade show uh, throughout the year. Uh, we, I think, all thought at this point we would be at that stage, uh, but with, you know, things still being a little iffy for international travel specifically, uh, we've had to get creative. And just like everyone has over the past year and a half, we've really utilized uh, digital one-on-one meetings, uh, virtual and hybrid trade shows, uh, even more so, we're diving into more thought leadership opportunities like webinars, panel discussions. So really taking advantage of all that technology has to offer us. Um, you yeah. know, we're in a point where that's just what we have to do. And everyone is kind of, I think, a year and a half later comes to accept that's what it is for now. And we're just really looking forward to the day that the in-person can come back. Uh, but what RX Global does is help facilitate those conversations. So, you know, creating the platforms, making the connections working with clients to really understand what their goals and needs are in the long term uh, to make sure we're making the best use of their time and money. Sure, sure. So there is a way to network, so to speak, in these uh, uh, events, even though you may not be in person. It is, yeah. And, you know, the, the hybrid shows, which is probably one of the more popular packages that people have created, RX included, on many of our trade shows, is where you still have physical space at a show, uh, but there's staff that represents your team that's trained in advance. They know your product, your company, who you're looking to meet, what your overall goals are, and their representation for your team on site. Uh, those people then can help facilitate virtual meetings. If it's in another language, they can translate for you. They're collecting business cards, making the introductions, and then sending the leads directly over to you and your team to follow up with. Um, obviously, it's a little bit of additional work uh, because it's all virtual and, you know, you got to get a little creative with how we're doing these meet and greets, um, but it's been actually very, very successful over the past year and a half. We've been really happy with the shows that have really embraced this hybrid model and the clients that have also embraced them have seen really good success from it. Do you uh, foresee uh, that even if and when COVID is, is over, that this hybrid model is going to be around? So I'm not sure specifically the hybrid model, but uh, digital and virtual is here to stay. I think it's uh, a bit naive to think that we're going to go back to in-person and all of this work and all of these different tools that we've come up with and created will kind of evaporate uh, once in-person comes back. Uh, like I said, there's no substitute for an in-person show for shaking someone's hand, for having that happen chance meeting in an aisle. But we now know that in addition to those opportunities, like I was saying before, you can access your clients on more than just those couple of days. You can stay relevant and at the front of their mind throughout the entire year, whether that's through a webinar or a new product launch or what have you. And we've created the tools to do that. So kind of using them in a different way once COVID does pass yeah. uh, will be the key to moving forward. But yeah, digital is here to stay uh, in, some, in some way, shape or form. Essentially every show we do has a virtual component at this point. And the plan is to keep them moving forward. Oh, okay. Sounds very innovative what y'all have had to do. <laughs> I guess all of us are getting creative. Um, so where, what is the state right now of in-person versus virtual? I mean, how 
much, I don't know, I don't know if you can quantify it, how much are the uh, physical attendance coming back? Yeah, so it's really location dependent at this point. Um, you know, the domestic side of shows is starting really to come back. Like I said, it was just in Vegas. They had a really wonderful, wonderful turnout for exhibitors and attendees alike. Uh, of course, the international presence was a bit lower uh, the, in the in-person fair. Um, same goes for shows that are happening abroad. Um, you know, I manage a lot of international shows in Europe and in Asia. Um, the Asian shows never stopped running uh, throughout COVID. They, they really kind of held strong and happened in person. It was a very strong domestic showing and throughout Asia as a whole. Um, but the international attendance was lower. Um, you know, that being said, we work with a lot of companies that have representation overseas already. So yeah. a lot of the U.S. and Canadian companies I worked with already had colleagues who were located in Japan or in China who were able to man their booth on site to be the representation for the team on site. Um, and then, of course, you know, in Europe, it's a little bit easier to travel through countries uh, throughout Europe than it is for us yeah. to fly over. So uh, those shows are starting to take place again. London just opened up uh, the, the big venue we work in there, just took away mask mandates and opened up to full capacity. So the domestic side of shows is really strongly starting to come back. It'll just be when those international borders are able to open back up for everyone that, you know, the yeah. international presences will come back to what they used to be. Wait, did you say that was the UK where the mask mandate? Yes, yeah. and it's a, a lot of the times it's venue to venue, so which makes yeah. it even trickier. <laughs> so, you know, one right. venue has no masks, another requires them. Well, There's see. all kinds of, uh, you know, red tape we've had to maneuver and all right. sorts of international laws I had to learn <laughs> to, to where we are right now. But, um, yeah. you know, it's on, an, and it's on a good slope right now in a, in a good way. You know, things are opening. They're good. trying new things. Um, unfortunately, international travel is not opening as quickly as I think we all had hoped, but at right. least the shows are taking place in person. Uh, so that kind of kickstarts us for 2022. Right. Well, I have two questions. First of all, uh, talking about Europe, intra-Europe uh, travel, um, I assume each country has their own mask policy. So is that, is that true? That was my assumption. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's kind of similar to the states here where each state has a different mandate, has different rules. Yeah. Um, it's the same in Europe where each country has different mandates, different rules. You know, do you have to be vaccinated to enter? Do you need to quarantine once you pass the border? Um, it's really different uh, across all of Europe. I, I know the EU likes to make uh, recommendations for everyone in the EU to follow, but they're not mandatory. It really comes down to country to country rules. And because um, I really don't know, what are U.S. citizens allowed to tra travel to and anywhere in Europe? I don't know what what's going on with that because the Delta variant is so, you know, has exploded here. So yeah. Just, so um, yeah, again, it's it's country to country. As of right now, I don't believe we're not allowed to enter any any countries in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, but for example, I believe Spain just put in a mandate <clears throat> that you have to be vaccinated to enter. Uh, some are requiring negative COVID tests, uh, even if you're not vaccinated. So it really comes down to what the current country's rules okay. are. And as we all, I think, have learned over the past year and a half, they can change day to day. Uh, the, that yeah. announcement from Spain just came, I believe, Monday of this week. But Monday of last week, all you needed was a negative test. Uh, you didn't need to be part, uh, vaccinated. So oh, wow. it really comes down to, at any given moment, what it is. And it's yeah. been one of the biggest challenges for our team because we do international sales. 
is right. really understand what those are because then you have to look at the terms and conditions of contracts, figure out and maneuver all of those things. So it's a whole process that we're all kind of figured out on a whim and it, we're relying on, on each other to kind of work our way through it and the teams that we work with for each show. Wow, that does make it very complicated. <laughs> and what about uh, visitors coming to the U.S.? I, uh, what What is the situation right now as far as our opening, our open borders to yeah, and it, again, it's it's a country to country. You know, some countries yeah. aren't allowing um, their residents to travel to the U.S. without quarantining when they come back. Uh, I believe our borders are open. Um, I do know that there's a lot of rules and regulations around those coming from many countries in the EU. Again, I think they're probably uh, vaccination and quarantine related, um, but there's a whole list online of countries that are in the red, that are, that are in the orange. Um, so I don't know if any countries are, are strictly not allowed to enter at this point, yeah. uh, but I do know that we're being pretty tight with our barriers with, with who comes in and for what reasons. Obviously, yeah. it's a bit different to come in uh, for business versus for travel versus right. you know, for a visa, whatever it may be, there's all sorts of stipulations. So it gets real complicated real quick. <laughs> I bet. I mean, I was just thinking about, you know, vaccinated isn't the same everywhere. Like, mm -hmm. you know, a Russian vaccine may not, I don't know. I mean, you know, anyway. Yeah, no, we're, we're running into that uh, with, with Canadians. You know, the border recently opened up for Canadians to come in and go back and forth uh, flying. I believe the driving yeah. border is still not open, um, but you can fly into the United States, but there's certain vaccines that have the first rollout came out in Canada with, but they're not accepted here. So now, yeah. you know, we have shows that are taking place in New York City, for example, and New York has put a mandate that everyone has to be vaccinated to enter any event or any yeah. indoor building at all, for that matter, yeah. for restaurants, for everything. They have a whole vaccination card rollout but some of the vaccinations that were offered in Canada aren't part of that. They're not approved here. So there's so many <laughs> small stipulations. Gosh. And you know, the best that we can do is just roll with it and try and learn as much as we can as new information becomes available. Um, and I have to say across the board, people have been during a difficult time, very understanding of, you know, we're not, we're not professionals or geniuses when it comes to what all these little tiny nuances are of, of the international travel and and that's so everyone's been really great with with giving us patience uh as we figure out these new things because we're just as new to it as everyone else is so right. it's been interesting to say the least <laughs> i can't even imagine juggling all those issues and that's that's crazy good for y'all for moving forward <laughs> So um, in addition to individuals and businesses, RX Global also, um, I know we've talked about this, it caters to states and state international development offices. Yes. Uh, why is that an important part of your business? Yeah, I mean, I think it really boils down to a really simple thought process that states are multipliers for our team. Uh, you know, I can look at a list of 100 companies from California or I can go and speak with California's Export Development Office directly, and they have the ability to mass send out information to everyone in their database about the shows. Um, you know, we, we have what we call pavilions at many trade shows where states will 
sponsor a pavilion, uh, a lot of the times providing funding for companies that come with them to a show. So, you know, for example, 10 companies from California would come to a show under the California Pavilion. California would provide funding, uh, some additional support on sites, maybe some different uh, marketing opportunities. Um, and so I'm working with one point of contact with the state of California, who's then managing their 10 companies. So to be completely frank, it's a lot less legwork for us. And we're able to give back to the state by helping promote their funding opportunities, helping them grow their export business. I mean, we all have the same goal, which is to get companies from their state abroad to international trade shows and increase the export business each of them has. So we're kind of working towards the same goals. So it's been even more so now than ever really important for us to utilize those relationships and work together to get to those end goals because it's just businesses are struggling and we know it. We know that they're struggling through COVID and now it's the time for us to start coming back and start rebuilding. Um, so like I said, now is the most important time for us to really lean on those relationships and the knowledge of everyone else. Sure, sure. And from the perspective of small businesses, which is where I come from, uh, those uh, pavilions and the state support are invaluable. Uh, Otherwise, small businesses might not even have an opportunity per, to participate. So no, that's that's exactly correct. You know, and a lot of small businesses don't know that those opportunities are available. They don't right. know, you know, it's called step grant funding for in many states. Right. Uh, it provides, in some cases, up to seventy five percent of the total cost of going to a trade show, including right. travel and hotel and all the things that you that Is are in addition to the booth itself. Right. Um, and, you know, those are available year round in many places. Of course, there's, uh, you know, uh, rules you have to hit and there's specific details about who's eligible. But by and large, most companies are eligible and, you know, they just don't know that that funding is available. And the state has a given amount of money each year to spend. So if they don't have companies exactly. who want to take advantage, then it just kind of goes to waste. So. Um, my goal is to get as many companies uh, knowledgeable about this funding that's available for them as possible, because not only does it help the state with uh, spending their, their funding that they're given, but it also helps us with bringing people into the show, and then it helps the company because it's increasing their export business. It's a win-win-win for everyone involved. Absolutely. In fact, it might have been the first of this year, but we did have a uh, an episode with the uh, representative for the state of Tennessee step grant and uh, I like you say I just want to encourage listeners um, especially small businesses to check with your state uh, trade organization and find out because because that step funding comes from the federal government it comes out of all of our taxes and it's um, it's there to promote uh, exporting so it's really it's a really valuable uh, resource. So I'm glad you brought that up because- Yeah, we have so many success stories of companies who have really you know, taken the plunge to do an international show. Uh, and with that funding, it made it a little bit easier. You know, During COVID, like I said, we had a couple of shows who really embraced that hybrid model and step grant funding covers digital most of the time as well. So you know, this company specifically, they had never gone to the Asian market. Uh, they decided that they really wanted to go and break into the, the Japanese medical market. And I spoke with Indiana, their state um, economic development office. Uh, they sent out a PDF of all of the medical shows that we put on in Asia. And this company reached out to me directly, said I'm a little bit interested in learning more. 
the hybrid model is a really cost-effective initially way for anyone to participate anyway, because there is no flight and hotel and all those additional items. Um, I connected them with their state representative. They got funding. They had to pay a fraction of what it would cost to participate at an in-person show in any year without that additional support. So they were able to dip their toe into a market they'd never been in before. They were terrified, but it went so well. And now three event editions later, they're joining us in person in 2022 at the, at the show because they were able to break into the market, make the relationships, and they're growing their business uh, in an international market they had never even touched before. So, you know, I like to look at the silver linings of COVID. You know, these hybrid models gave smaller companies with smaller budgets the opportunity to hit new markets that they never thought they would be able to break into just because of the logistical bar barriers. Um, right. And of course, the state step grant funding only helps them do that and lowers the cost um, yeah. of, of joining. So it all, it comes full circle. So. Oh, yeah. And, and just um, for a minute, let's talk about uh, an example of, uh, all right, I'm a small business exporter in a particular industry. So I, I, I will probably have like, I guess the best opportunity is to have a small booth, either virtually or at the show. So how does that work? Can you just explain kind of how, you know, this is my first trade show. What, what can I expect? What should I do to be prepared for it? Uh, you know, to, to make the most out of that little booth and that opportunity. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the first thing to do is to look at the, look at your overall goals Yes, a small booth is probably where you're going to end up your, your first time at a trade show, just you know, cost prohibitive wise. But there's also so many other opportunities to get your brand out there for a first timer, brand awareness and lead generation are gonna be your, your two biggest goals, uh, unless you have a very targeted audience of, you know, for thought leadership or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what we like to do is work with companies to not only just get them into a trade show, but understand what those goals are. Okay, how many leads are you looking to generate at this show to, to make it worth your while? What are the kind of companies you're looking to, to meet with? Uh, do you have a new product you're looking to launch? So we really like to dive in before getting them completely set up um, at the trade show. So maybe it's a small booth, but maybe there's some additional marketing opportunities we, we add on there that will have such a strong ROI, it's worth the initial investment. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of data and statistics about the ROIs of tons of these different marketing and sponsorship opportunities that we like to share with people, right? You know, it's, we know it's scary spending this kind of money, especially for a small business. Normally it's your money. It's, it's like yeah. not, a, it's not, you know, Amazon's owner's money. It's right. your company. It's your money. It's your security. So we understand right. that it's a really big deal to invest the kind of money that people need to in trade shows but we want to make sure your money is going as far as possible. So yes, we're going to get you a booth. It's probably going to be what we call a shell scheme, kind of an all-inclusive turnkey package. So you don't have to worry about renting furniture and figuring out where the electric is and, right. and all of that. It all is done for you. We walk you through the entire process. Right. Um, and then, like I said, we help you along the way to prepare for the show itself. Um, like the, what kind of... Uh signage to bring or media? Yeah, what are the marketing materials you want to bring with you? Do you need to bring an actual demonstration of your products with you? Uh, what can we do to make you guys stand out in a sea of tens of thousands of exhibitors at many of these shows? So 
we like to go the extra step to, like I said, understand what the goals are and work in creative ways to make sure you're taking full advantage of the opportunity. If you're going to go there, if you're going to be there, if you're going to take the plunge, we want to make it really worth it for you. So, yeah. um, you know, we have a whole list of recommended things to do prior to shows, especially in a digital world. It's a little bit different than in, in, in person. Um, sure. But, you know, that starts off with doing your research, knowing your goals, looking at the attendee list to see who you're looking to target. Um, things to do on site, how to follow up. There's a whole list that we can provide for people. Um, but I think the biggest kind of takeaway is to be open-minded to what opportunities are there and to yeah. really do the research on your end. Uh, you know, we, we kind of talk to people and ask them what their overall goals are. And some people freeze a little bit. They're not really sure. They're like, well, I'm going to the show to break into this market. It's like, that's great. That's we could totally help with that. But big picture wise, what are the goals of your business for the next year? How are you looking to grow and expand? And we go from there with what we can recommend uh, moving forward. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, I assume the Department of Commerce sometimes participates in, in the, some of your shows, your, some of your international shows. Yep. Yep. So uh, in the past, we've had a really strong relationship with them. Um, you know, they uh, kind of give their stamp of approval on certain shows. A lot of them uh, take place in Asia, which is makes a lot of U.S. companies very comfortable having that sign of approval. Uh, we're actually in the process because COVID and everything, um, we're in the process of rebuilding that. They have a whole new point of contact system for us there. So actually, it's funny you, you asked. We have a meeting with them set up in a week or two uh, to go oh. over all that information and uh, kind of rebuild the relationship, get those stamps of approval for some of those international shows. But yes, we have a very strong working relationship, both with the federal and state level governments. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I know in the past, some of the shows I've attended, they've actually had events to um, introduce international visitors to U.S. counterparts. And, and uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And that's how what we've done at some of our shows as well, you know, whether it's yeah. a ribbon cutting, whether, you know, there's diplomats involved, it's, there's a whole slew of different opportunities uh, that the U.S. Commercial Services bring with them. Um, so, you know, we, we work really strongly with them and we're excited for 2022 when hopefully, you know, the new string of shows opens back up, we have that sign of approval, we'll have them on site, um, and they'll be able to kind of give that another level of service to all of the U.S. companies that are participating. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So now is the time where uh, you can share some of your stories about some trade show experiences that uh, just, uh, you know, uh, give examples to our listeners about kind of how it works or some of the things that have happened that have been unexpected and that everybody's learned from, and, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I wanted, I wanted to kind of look at these stories and from two different levels. The first being of anyone who may be listening from a state uh, economic export office. Um, right. And then one of a, maybe uh, a small company like you were talking about before. Um, and, you know, what I just want to highlight is the ways that we can work together just outside of me selling a small company a booth at a show. Um, so specifically for, you know, for the, for the state level listeners, um, you know, a perfect example of ways to work together is that we uh, partner with all different country, uh, states, like I said, uh, on varying shows. Um, the state of Illinois and I work very closely uh, on many different portfolios, but one of those mm -hmm. is our mining portfolio. And we do a really big mining show in Australia every other year. 
Um, you know, Illinois uh, likes to bring a pavilion. We have a lot of state pavilions at that show, uh, but they like to bring a pavilion and they were looking to grow interest in the pavilion at the show um, and getting creative with ways to do that. Um, so what they did is they took one industry, so they took mining and they picked two different markets. So the Australian market and a uh, South American market. And what they did is they pulled experts from the mining in Australia and the mining in South America to come and speak to the industry as a whole on how it's growing, on ways it's expanding, on who it's highlighting, what different subsectors that it's starting to highlight. Um, and then they brought um, myself and one of my colleagues on to speak to the international export opportunities there um, and how to break into the market. So what I was able to do was join this webinar as one of the panel members mm -hmm. um, to follow the, um, the industry professional. So they spoke to the Australian mining market. They spoke to its growth um, areas that it was excelling in, uh, that we saw tons of potential. And then I came on and told people how they could break into it by joining this Amex show. Um, and then the state followed up finally with the funding opportunities. So it was, here's this amazing market, here's all this potential and all this opportunity. I came in with ways to break into that market and then the state provided the funding. So at the end of the webinar, um, companies who had been listening now knew exactly where they could grow, how they could get there and ways that they could pay to do it. Um, from that webinar alone, we saw five to 10 leads immediately, the same day reaching out for more information about the show. Um, I was able to highlight the digital opportunities because as we, as we all may know, Australia is not quite open <laughs> right now for international travel. Yeah. Um, so I was able to highlight the digital opportunities, go over those, the value of those options with people. Um, and we saw tons of people interested and wanted to sign up right away. So uh, it's a, just a, a way to think outside the box a little bit with yeah. what the tools you have and, you know, work with us. We want to get creative with people. So when the state of Illinois reached out about this webinar opportunity, I jumped at it. I was like, this is, this is amazing. We have industry professionals speaking to the market. I'm telling you how to break into it. And you're telling, you're telling them how you, they can pay for it. You don't have to pay for it. It's pretty much free. <laughs> so it was an amazing, amazing webinar that came together in a really great way. And it just speaks simply because a state department of export and I we just got creative and wanted to think about different ways to promote things. Illinois came up with the idea for this webinar and I thought it was a wonderful, wonderful way to reach, you know, a very specific market but there was easily 50 listeners on this webinar. So uh, it has really good outreach. Um, and it's just kind of a tiny example of ways that we can work with states, uh, maybe in, in ways that people didn't think we could. Um, and you know, we're working right now on what we call one-on-one -on -one meetings with states, um, the way you know, that we became connected through SIDO, through, through the state yes, uh, development yeah. office. Um, we had just done a panel discussion with them at their annual conference, uh, promoting that we meet with state representatives one-on-one -on -one to really dive into their state and their exports. Uh, we have, as RX Global, so much data. We have so much data about top export um, markets from each state uh, to what global markets they are expanding in, where there's opportunity. Yeah. Um, and so what we want to do is pull that data, use that data, give it to the state, 
uh, and then give them a list of shows that fit the markets that they should be kind of looking to target. And yeah. you know, we create all kinds of marketing opportunities for the states to share with companies. We join these webinars. So it's just kind of thinking of as more of a, you know, we're in the business of building businesses. We're not just the trade show two right. days on site selling booths. So, um, you know, just a small, that's just a short story of, of ways that we've gotten a little bit creative with states over the past a year and a half to really expand the business. And like I said, use all the tools in your toolkit to take full advantage of the information that's out there. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, any other stories that you want us to hear? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and the only other one I kind of actually spoke to uh, a little bit uh, previously was, you know, the, the small business who wanted to break into the Japanese market was really afraid to do it. I think that the big takeaway from that is that this, Obviously, this is a really difficult time. It's really hard for a lot of small companies, uh, but do a little bit of research, do a little bit of digging. Uh, now there's some silver linings to COVID and the digital hybrid opportunities are, are one of them. Mm -hmm. um, they come in typically at a much lower cost point. Um, so in addition to taking advantage of, you know, breaking into a market, um, reach out to your states, reach out to me. I'm happy to reach out to your state. I have connections with so many of them um, so, uh, you know, we want to take full advantage of those things, um, but now use now as a time to look into the future, look at what your overall goals are now that COVID is slowly starting to go behind us, um, and look at the big picture. You know, do you want to export, do you want to break into Asia? Do you want to, uh, look into a different part of the world you just have never been to and, and ask us about those statistics? We can tell you the major export partners with the United States for any given industry, and share all the data that's behind that to help you make an informed decision. So yeah. um, I think, you know, that success story of the small company who was able to yeah. break into a market they've never been to paid a fraction of the cost it would have for them to participate in the past is one of those silver lining success stories we like to share uh, yeah. from this COVID time. Right, exactly. So you have uh, services that are targeted for small businesses as well as the big corporations. Yeah, well. I mean, for being at a trade show, it's everything from, you know, a nine square meter booth, uh, all the way up to people who do custom builds that are two floors with <laughs> banners hanging all over. There's, there's anything and everything you could ever imagine. Uh, but we do always have that easy turnkey small package that's as cost effective as we can possibly make it. Um, a lot of the times we have U.S. or North American pavilions at a show. So in addition yeah. to smaller booths that are turnkey and include everything you need, um, right. there's additional support. So marketing opportunities, on-site support, especially for people who have never been to a trade show. We have an entire team called our customer success team that walks you through every single step of getting your profile set up online to how to ship materials to where to book a hotel. So you're really taken care of from start to finish. That sounds great because uh, I know how complicated it is. It is uh, a lot of details, especially if you're uh, shipping stuff overseas to the. Oh yeah. <laughs> so anyway, gosh, this was such a great conversation, Christine. Thank you so much for participating and supporting Export Stories podcast. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and. I'm glad that we were able to pull this together in a digital setting. It all worked out perfectly. <laughs> it did. See, that's what we could do. 
So um, to our listeners, you know, we'd love to get a conversation going about this episode, as well as, you know, general discussions about exporting. So please reach out to me on exportstoriespodcast.com. We will have an episode page for this uh, today's podcast, and that would be a great place to post your comments or questions. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. You see, we are creating a community of exporters here. So reach out and chat. We want to hear from you. So thanks again, Christine. And thanks to all our listeners. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to Export Stories. Perhaps you have a good export story that you would like to share with us or a comment about today's podcast. You can send your ideas and comments to our website at exportstoriespodcast.com or to Betsy Olam on LinkedIn. Subscribe to our newsletter at exportstoriespodcast.com so we can alert you of upcoming episodes and share resources with you. We're building a community of export storytellers, so please share this podcast with your friends who have interest in exporting. 